So we continue with our readings of the Wazir Sabasora, the play that is being staged on 1st December 2013. Last time we just um, had a very broad and a brief overview of the plot. Essentially the story of Noor Uddin and Anis Aljalis who uh, it's about their idealized romance how they fall in love, the difficulties they meet and uh, eventually how everything is resolved beautifully with the grace of God. But there are many, uh, many things in this story from the Arabian Nights uh, which have been expanded by Shurbindo into a very deep and profound tale. In fact, as Shurbindo says, the object of art and drama and music and poetry is to educate the inner being, to educate, this should be a perfect education for the soul. And this is what we find in this play as in other plays of Shurbindo, that he brings out soul values and a higher aesthesis through this drama. To start with, it is a story of ideal love. Both Nuruddin, the hero, and Anis Aljalis, the slave girl who is also the heroine of the play, they both have a past. Nuruddin is a reckless, wild youth, while Aljalis is a slave girl. So, seen from a conventional point of view, they both have their have had their uh, difficulties. They both had they are, they are not. Uh, clean or chaste as they say at least that is not brought out in the play and yet they both carry a dream of the future they are not bound by their past they are all the time looking forward this is revealed when uh, Ibn Shoi the illustrious father of Nuruddin um, and his mother his mother tells him that what will you do when we are gone and uh, Nuruddin replies that why we will, uh, that time life will begin and I'll face the challenge of life. I'll go and explore things and I'll look forward to the future. Then again, we see that uh, when Anis Aljalis is purchased for the king, yet she does not uh, mildly or meekly submit to fate. See, uh, thinks of uh, someone who will be sitting somewhere who will come and rescue her who will who is his uh, idealized love and she is dreaming of him even when destiny has brought her to be a slave to the king so this is the beauty of this play i just read a little bit of that passage anis aljalis on page 594 she has been purchased as we know for the king and normally in such a situation an ordinary girl would simply concede, she would succumb to this destiny, not a happy destiny to be the slave girl, even though of a king, because there would be many slave girls in his harem and she would be just used as an object of pleasure. But Anis Aljalis surely deserves a better fate. The ordinariness of life does not consist in who we are outwardly, but what we are inwardly. So we are already told that though she is a slave girl, she is 
someone very very beautiful inwardly much more than out outwardly she knows the quran by heart she lives by the law she sings she is a very good musician she has a pleasing voice and she is good at learning and wit and she is sweet sweet natured so she deserves a better fate and this fate is shaping quietly in anis aljali's heart even though her outer circumstances are as it were adverse so this is the beauty of shurbindo's play how he weaves the inner and the outer even when everything is bad even when everything is dark outside it is our inner thoughts our attitudes our feelings that shape our future fate so we have a sample of this in act 1 in act 2 scene 1 at the end anis aljali says my heart beats reassuringly within the destined prince will come and all bad spells be broken then you angels up in heaven who guard sweet shame and women's modesty hide deep your searching eyes with those bright wings it is not wantonness though in a slave permitted spurs me forward oh tonight let sleep your pens in your rebuking volumes record not this i am on such a brink a hound of horror being at my heels i cannot pause to think what fire of blushes i choose to flee through nor how safe cold eyes may censure me i pass though i should burn you cannot bid me pick my careful steps oh no the danger is too near i run by the one road that's left me to escape to escape into the very arms i love so this is the uh, woman indeed a woman who deserves a much better fate than what has befallen her carries the dream of a future then we also see in this a love that does not waver or change with time and circumstance both of them have a good time initially but very soon when there uh, when it is detected that nuruddin has fallen for the slave girl who was the very best in the market and was purchased essentially for the king they have to go through a number of difficulties um, so much so that um, at one time because of conspiracy of almuin and his uh, nephew ajeb nuruddin eventually becomes a bankrupt he has number of creditors at his door and he has no money to pay them through the situation comes when the son of a wazir who should be really lavish with luxury had uh, luxury has nothing left and even at that time anis does not leave him she stands by him she is ready to sell herself but only to save uh, nuruddin from shame that he would incur if he is not able to pay the debtor only to uh, make him fulfill his promises to the debtors so we see a love that does not change with circumstance uh, anis did not love nuruddin simply because of his uh, he was a high ranking official son but she loved him for who he was inwardly something that uh, her soul recognized in him and he in her so this is the beauty of a love that is brought out 
which recognizes the answering soul and stays unwavered through time and circumstance and eventually like we find uh, of course in a much larger scale and much deeper and profound way in savitri the power of love to change circumstances because um, things go from bad to worse at one point of time and um, uh, as we know um, uh, fariduddin and uh, nuruddin is on the verge of being hanged executed but somehow uh, almost intuitively Uh, by the power of love anis is able to sense it she is far away in baghdad in the palace of the caliph who has promised her nevertheless that nuruddin would be king and they would meet again but caliph does not know what um, what conspiracy is going on in basra and uh, nuruddin they have plotted uh, a conspiracy especially almuin the bad wazir and nuruddin will be hanged he will be executed but anis feels it intuitively and she speaks those words to the caliph which completely shake him right um, to his very core harun al rashid in fact later on he says that never have i uh, felt so shaken as from those words so we just uh, read a little bit of that it's in the last act act 5 scene 5 these words of anis al jalis when she is in the caliph's uh, palace safe and protected waiting for a lover she could have simply forgotten him she was anyways with the most powerful man in islam in islamic state at that point of time harun al rashid whose might and wealth is known all over the world and yet she sings this song to harun al rashid fearless a, a woman full of substance and courage The emperor of Rome is great the caliph has a mighty state but one is greater to whom all prayers take wing and i a poor and weeping slave when the world rises from its grave shall stand up the accuser of my king so here comes um, you know harun al rashid and he wonders and he asks her what has happened and uh, we are almost reminded of uh, the way in savitri uh, how savitri snatches back satyavan from the hands of death how she presses on him with her will so here we have when when of course harun al rashid is a uh, wonderful human being he is the um, flower one of the finest flowers of islam because this whole story is about the golden age of islam so we have on page 722 that um, Harun al-Rashid das that uh, why why you are uh, feeling like this i have made him a king in basura and anis asks him who told you who told thee harun al-rashid so it must be because he has sent a letter and he must be made the king and anis al-jalis um, doesn't know anything and she asks him is there news this shows her wit and intelligence no less than her um, her her love her um, her beauty her sweetness she displays an unusual intelligence uh, almost like a vibhuti even though she is a slave girl so harun al rashid says uh, anis first asks him is there news and harun al rashid ponders no strange 
seven days gone by not yet a letter so she compels him to think something which uh, has not yet crossed the mighty caliph's mind and then ani sings this says this caliph high sovereign harun al rashid men call the just great abbasid i am a poor and helpless slave girl but my grief is greater than a king lord i demand my soul's dear husband at thy hand look at her words not just her husband but her soul's dear husband so love and marriage and relationship of a man and woman in the indian context in the oriental context or in the um, eastern context is a relation of soul to soul and not just a marriage of body to body or vital to vital or even of simply an ideal companionship of mind to mind it's a relationship of soul to soul my soul's dear husband at thy hand who sent him alone unfollowed without guard or friend to a tyrant sultan and more tyrant wazir his potent enemies oh they have killed him give back my husband to my arms unhurt or i will rise upon the judgment day against thee caliph harun al rashid demanding him at that eternal throne where names are not received nor earthly pomps considered then my frail and woman's voice shall ring more dreadful in thy mighty hearing than doom's own trumpet answer my demand so she almost thunders before the king impelled by a soul power moved by the spirit's breath she has courage to stand before the caliph and talk in these words almost challenging him to fulfill his promise those were the days um, and how beautiful uh, the beautiful things of islam that uh, while on one side there were lot of evils which have begun to show up now but during those uh, heydays how beautifully a person who promised something even to a slave girl has to fulfill that promise so harun al rashid is famous for his justness for his might he has promised something to that uh, to anis al jalis and he must keep up that promise uh, whatever be the cost otherwise she has the right to rise on judgment day before uh, allah and um, accuse him of his unfulfilled promise and that's um, a great sin a great evil uh, in the eyes of islam so this is the kind of love which is portrayed in both of them but much more so in the woman as we see in many of shirbindo story the woman is the the power the shakti he has uh, in fact uh, brought out the best of womanhood and uh, in this very story we see so beautiful that um, she is a slave girl but what is really true womanhood it is not decided by something which is mere external it's not decided by the position one occupies not decided by the lineage not by surname not even by profession or occupation she is a slave girl she has simply to fulfill the wishes of her master whatever they be and uh, as we know it was um, they could ask for anything and yet despite a slave girl in her body uh, what inhabits is a mighty spirit a soul that would not bow down before the mighty caliph 
a soul with which will not bow down before adverse fate a soul that recognizes love and indeed uh, we see that the slave girl is no just not just ordinary mortal but uh, what we can call in india a vibhuti of god with the power and conviction that she speaks so this is a very beautiful element we see in shirbindo's writings uh, how he shatters our conceptions that uh, greatness lies in outer position and um, antecedents it lies in the fact of whatever inner being is and the difference between an ordinary and the extraordinary person is that uh, ordinary people uh, are may may be great when circumstances are favorable but when circumstances are adverse they break down but the sign of extraordinariness is that even in the most pressing circumstances they don't break down they take the challenge and rise up to the occasion so we see this both in anis aljalis as well as uh, nuruddin that they don't break down when there is pressure from life from circumstances when adversity f- suddenly uh, f- chases them they rise up to the occasion each in their own way but uh, of course uh, anis aljalis much more so then the other thing which is there in this uh, narrative is uh, the two lines of growth and um, uh, this is of course um, in in all um, eastern cultures um, in the western culture there is a sharp division between um, god and satan and uh, man can of course he can choose to follow satan or he can choose to follow god but it's much more um, uh, like choosing god means almost choosing a religion but here it's not that what should be the brings out is two lines of evolution that human beings can follow even though outwardly they profess to be um, belonging to a certain religion they have chosen the same religion so al muin and al fazl they are two wazirs and both have the same religion islam both have embraced the same religion and yet they are very very different while al muin is uh, basically a man who is uh, representing the dark asuric side he is selfish arrogant wrathful and vindictive he is full of deception and lie and will do anything for the sake of self interest and it is this that has spoiled his son by this kind of a wrong indulgence of course one should care for children even give them things um, even ibn sa'i uh, al-fazl the good wazir also um, provides for his child uh, nuruddin who is also a wild and reckless youth but there is a big difference between the two um Ibn Shahi al-Fazl has given his son Nuruddin also some beautiful values to live by. He understands that during young age people the spirit is wild, untamed and they may commit some excesses. At the same time he has given the right kind of uh, education so that when occasion comes the child can rise to the occasion and uh, uh, know how exactly to uh, steer his course. but what almuin has passed on to farid is simply a shadow uh, he has taught his child to be simply driven by desire and impulse so whatever his son demands he blindly fulfills it whatever be the cost whatever be the um, whatever be the peril whatever be the danger to his soul and yet he would fulfill it because um, almuin for almuin money is god and self interest is um, the prayer is the religion that he follows so we see this these two lines of growth uh, on the other side we have al fazl 
the bright side uh, he is uh, he is uh, nuruddin's father and he is represented by self restraint even in wildness the mother has given a very interesting story that there are two kinds of wildness one is uh, that of the tiger you cannot tame a tiger it is uh, you ha- you can only kill it even if you were to capture it it doesn't lose its uh, wild instincts its cunning its prowl its stealth whereas uh, a, a tiger cannot be of use to man whereas uh, a wild horse uh, can be tamed and when tamed it can become a wonderful uh, help to man so um, while farid represents something like a tiger an unrestrained wild beast who cannot really be tamed or trained anymore uh, but nuruddin Uh, the other youth son of al fazal he shows a certain degree of self restraint so even when he has um, you know uh, fallen in love with anis aljalis and they have spent the night together but nuruddin did not know that she was bought for the king dunia has played a little mischief a sweet little mischief for uh, both of them uh, which is very good because uh, at the end uh, that's that's how fate conspired and yet um, um he knows nuruddin knows how to respect boundaries and self imposed boundaries and the law of god and this is what this is the teach this is the education he has received from his father and uh, his father when he comes to know for instance that well the um, unexpected has happened so he says something very interesting to his son he says uh, he gives a very nice advice we read it uh, yesterday but it's worth you know reminding again he tells his son that okay this is act 2 scene 3 ibn sa'i tells this advice gives this advice to the son but look at his justification first nuruddin explains his action to his father nuruddin no father let him be and hear me out i swear it was not out of light contempt for your high dignity and valued life so he values his father's place unlike farid who at one point uh, ends up uh, trying to give poison to his own father for the sake of money here is nuruddin who values his father and would not do something which would bring um, a bad name to him so he says that i have not slept with anis aljalis uh, because i value lightly your dignity for your high dignity and valued life more precious to me than my blood if i transgressed your will in this i knew not of it not that you meant my anis for the king for me i thought her purchased so was told and still believe religiously that fate brought her to basura only for me so he explains that father i have not done this uh, knowingly and willingly willfully uh, and yet i believe that now that i know the truth that you had purchased her for the king and not for me i still believe it was fate who thus transpired because he could have taken the slave girl straight away to the king but somehow he listens to the muazzim's uh, suggestion that take her for for 10 days to your home and feed her let her sleep and rest and then she will be worthy of going to the king uh, 
so it's really fate conspires and then in spite of the father's instructions dunya has this uh, mischief in her mind and she only speaks half the truth she does not speak full truth so shubindu so beautifully describes how fate is woven with small little details small little actions and events which uh, i mean for dunya it was a little mischief she doesn't reveal the full truth that the father has purchased her for the king she only reveals that father has purchased this girl and um, nuruddin presumes the rest so how fate uses this small little mischief even one would say half a lie or half a truth of uh, dunya the cousin of uh, fariduddin uh, of uh, nuruddin uh, alfazal son for the sake of uh, the destiny it has um, already uh, predetermined for uh, the two so it's very interesting how these little things come into play so Ibn Sa'id then says it was a fault my child Nuruddin which i cannot repent he says that um, what has happened has happened now what do i do i am and besides i don't feel repentance towards it because i feel that fate has brought us together so look at this little uh, how beautifully shurbindo brings the genuineness of people of these good people I mean Nuruddin could have uh, said okay fine I have had my fun I have had my pleasure okay father I will repent and atone for it you take her for the king but he is straightforward he is honest he says no I love her I like her I believe fate has brought her for me and so he says that well it is a fault but nevertheless it's not something that I uh, want to repent for and Ibn Sa'i you are my son generous and true and bold because he has uh, made a very honest confession not only about the outer action but also about his inner feelings though faulty take the slave girl then but swear never hereafter mistress slave or wife lies in your arms but only she neither until herself desire it mayest thou sell her swear this and keep thy love so this is the beauty and greatness of the father he understands he it's very interesting that shurbindo as he says in the gita also that whenever there is a dilemma or conflict between the outer duty and the inner being uh, its own demand the demand of the inner being not just the inner fancy but of the true being is always greater so on one side um from the point of view of outer morality uh, his father he is a very himself a noble man a man of great dignity he should have said no i have purchased her only for the king and you have committed a big crime and you should be executed but his morality of um, um this good wazir alfazal ibn sa'i is something very deep it is not about merely the outer act he sees the totality and then he decides so looking at the total situation and circumstance he somehow feels that it's not just because his son is involved but there is somewhere a conspiracy of fate he also feels the genuineness of uh, his son he also feels the genuineness of their love and therefore uh, he um, says this that look um, the only the best thing you can do and of course that is the best repentance that don't repeat this mistake again that means now that you have slept with her you have touched her you have felt in a certain way towards her then be faithful and true to her for life 
and do not look at any other girl in the future so this is the greatness uh, of this man and again he not only respects self imposed boundaries um, al fazal also respects the law of god more than the human law he respects the law of god and believes that the law of god enacts itself through very strange even paradoxical circumstances of human life he has implicit trust in god and his ways and of course uh, he values love which is regardless of all outer circumstances of life he not for once tells him that look uh, you are a wazir son and how come you will marry a slave girl he understands the inner worth and merit of people which is far beyond simply their outer circumstances so very beautifully shirbindo brings out um, these elements in through his narrative then there is something another very interesting thing is about uh, you know the whole humorous episode which they have about um, uh, ibrahim now we see that how shirbindo um, absolutely strikes at uh, hypocrisy and external morality where um, where people believe that simply because they uh, wear a certain attire because they speak in a certain way because they uh, do their prayers every day morning evening three times or five times um and do not uh, uh, indulge in so called vices they don't drink they don't uh, take non veg they are very pious the basis of morality is not these things it is something inner it lies in the genuineness in truthfulness in courage um otherwise a morality which is dependent on external things uh, either becomes fixed into a very rigid and harsh groove or else it collapses at the first opportunity so ibrahim is shown as the man who outwardly feigns to be moral but uh, inwardly he is um, he is a man who Uh, keeps within himself all the vices and cherishes them secretly so uh, as shubindu says one of the place that in some people vices are simply an abundant energy which is flowing in a certain direction once they get the direction it would be wonderful but there are people who inwardly nurture all the vices and they cherish the sins in secret but outwardly they wear a the garb of a pious man of a holy man of a moral man and externally they do all the things all the rituals and uh, they can impress others with their show but um, that is not uh, true morality in fact that is bad because it is a kind of deception they not only deceive others but they deceive themselves and they give all kinds of justifications so we have uh, this whole thing a uh, beautiful interlude full of humor and fun when uh, in the pavilion of pleasure in baghdad the uh, anis and nuruddin they are um, they get they they get drunk and they make uh, ibrahim also drink and how ibrahim tells them a lie and uh, makes them believe that this is their his garden and uh, whatever uh, they are getting is uh, because of ibrahim who is actually Uh, not only the caliph but more than the caliph so he is nurturing all these ambitions and um, yet he is externally posing repeatedly that i take the name of allah five times and i live by the law of allah and uh, so on and so forth so 
I'll, I'll just read out just, just a couple of places how he first says one thing and then another sign of hypocrisy when repeatedly um, he asks uh, Ibrahim Nuruddin he can't really believe looking at his dress Ibrahim's dress that this place really belongs to him so he asks him repeatedly that does it really belong to you and Ibrahim keeps making such stories that grand aunt left it and um, uh, you know um, he he was offered to be the Khalifa but he refused it and so on and so forth and then um, finally he says uh, when Nuruddin asks is it indeed thine we may enter can we really enter then Ibrahim says Allah Allah its floor yearns for thy beauty and for the fair feet of thy sister if there were youth now instead of poor venerable me would one not kiss the marble wherever her fair small feet would touch it but I praise Allah that I am an old man with my thoughts turned to chastity and holiness this is utter lie obviously he is lusting after the young girl but he is making it appear that I am an old man and I am full of chastity and holiness at the same time he is very subtly uh, passing hints and remarks to Anis Al-Jalis and um, mm. then when they ask him about drinking that uh, can we not have some wine so how Ibrahim speaks first I take refuge with Allah wine for 16 years I have not touched the evil thing when I was young indeed ah well when I was young, but it is forbidden. What saith Ibn Batata? Then he, you know, <laughs> he quotes all kinds of, uh, um, all kinds of fake mistakes. That wine worketh transmogrification. And Ibrahim al-Hashash bin Furfusfus bin Berbilun al-Sandilani of Basora, he rateth wine surely and evereth that the red glint of it is the shine of the red fires of hell. Its sweetness kisseth damnation and the coolness of it in the throat causeth bifurcation. Ah, verily, the great Al-Hashash. So all kinds of probably some Malwis, uh, local priests, he is quoting them and uh, these moralists and these so-called holy men, how they have condemned wine. But uh, ultimately they find a way and then Ibrahim drinks and he's drunk and when he's drunk he um, completely justifies it again when he's drunk he says Ibrahim never cry out at me you are a whore and she is a huri come down from heaven to ensnare my soul let it be ensnared it's not worth one beam from under your eyelids whore I will embrace thee I will kiss thee huri so um, how easily this kind of a morality breaks which is purely dependent on external show so this should be the brings out in with lot of uh, uh, of course humor um, and satire on this kind of morality so he completely um, cuts it to pieces and shows that the true basis of morality is not outer it is inner it is not in the external show in what a man is outwardly doing but much more what he inwardly is. 
and uh, then we have something another very interesting with regard to this man Ibrahim the punishment that uh, Harun al-Rashid the caliph when he discovers what he uh, renders to him so this punishment is very interesting this shows how Harun al-Rashid has been called the just so just is not just somebody who sees an external act but somebody who also sees the totality again we see just like Al-Fazal bin Shoi Ibn Shoi we have Harun al-Rashid how he renders justice so on one side Ibrahim has broken the rule he has uh, um, uh, allowed these two youngsters this couple to enter the pavilion of pleasure without the king's permission without the caliph's permission um, served them drink brought all kinds of dishes and they have really enjoyed that place it's, it's a big big crime outwardly in terms of law and rule breaking the technically it would be probably worthy of execution in those days but at the same time uh, Harun al-Rashid sees something else also and here is his judgment verily verily thou shall be punished Harun al-Rashid tells Ibrahim thou hast been kind to the boy and his sweetheart therefore I will not take from thee thy life or they post in the gardens. Now any other um, mighty ruler as mighty as Harun al-Rashid would have straight away without hearing sent for his execution or removed him from the post. But he doesn't do that. He, he gives him some other punishment. And I will forgive thee for tugging the beard of the Lord's anointed because he has also tugged the beard of Harun al-Rashid uh, thinking that he is a poor fisherman. So all this he forgives. Um, simply because he has ultimately treated both the uh, couple very well in spite of all his hypocrisy but the hypocrisies and blasphemies are too rank to be forgiven Jafar have a man with him constantly and wine before his eyes but if he drinks so much as a thimbleful let it be poured by gallons into his stomach so this is one punishment that he, is, uh, he has succumbed to wine. So now he has to master it. So the best way of mastery is that it's all around him. And yet he is denied it. And then at the same time he has uh, encouraged thoughts of lust towards someone who is not his. Who belongs to another man. And then the second part is have in beautiful women constantly before him and if he once raise his eyes above their anklets shave him clean and sell him into the most severe and puritan house in Baghdad nay I will reform thee old sinner so what a beautiful judgment the judgment is to reform him and not punish so we see this kind of a justice in the mighty Harun al-Rasid, the wise and the just and rightfully called so because his punishment is not just a punishment given to um, simply vindicate one's position or feel happy at um, uh, you know um, throwing anger at, some, at a subject but uh, his punishment is meant to reform so this is the punishment that is granted to Ibrahim so we see uh, these elements uh, now finally there is uh, in this story uh, something very interesting there are many many interesting things uh, for instance how Ajayb the nephew of uh, Al-Muin who has conspired who has listened to him 
and how he has actually been the cause of Nuruddin's ruin. He has made him squander all his wealth in gambling and drinks at a point of time. Uh, and yet he feels somewhere that he has done a wrong thing. And therefore how he actually uh, expresses repentance, not just verbally but in action. So this we find again that repentance is not merely a verbal act. It's not about saying sorry. It's not simply about confessing before God. It is an act where you change that part where you atone by doing something which is uh, which will uh, once again reset the balance so ajeb has been the cause of nuruddin's uh, destruction and he has brought him to the point where he needs to sell anis aljalis so here he says that okay i will buy her and keep her safe in my custody till you return back so this is one offer that he gives him and second of course he arranges for him since they don't agree to this he arranges for them to flee to Baghdad and you know whatever money he could summon up he gives them and even later on he speaks the truth and helps him so this is true atonement and not just saying sorry and uh, simply confessing before God and again doing the same thing so this is uh, also shown here then also true friends how uh, when there are bad days how all the friends leave um, Ibrahim and go uh, leave um, uh, Nuruddin and go away uh, he has been a wazir son so he has had many friends uh, but when bad time comes how people leave and go away whereas only the true friends stand by his side so Ajeb though he has been uh, he has faulted him yet is a true friend because when time comes uh, in his crisis he suddenly wakes up to the spirit of friendship uh, and he um, does what needs to be done for his friend so this is these are some small little touches again uh, the death of Farid which uh, is shown of course in a dramatic way he almost literally lands up uh, on a sword and dies in a melee and um, uh, this almost reminded me uh, of one of the places of sh uh, writings of Shiobindo where he says evil um, collapses under its own weight so Farid who is uh, shown as basically an evil uh, uh, young, young man son of Al-Muin the bad wazir uh, eventually literally stumbles with his own speed he commits excesses and errors and because of these excesses and errors he loses complete uh, control over himself he loses control over his mind his vital his passions drive him crazy and he loses control even over his body and eventually uh, he dies in this way so this is another uh, something and many such small little things are there on the side but um, the masterpiece is about the divine intervention and God's ways and how through and through we see how God is driving the um, the two how fate destiny is bringing them together then testing them whether they are really sincere to each other and then making them go through a very series of interesting circumstances at one place when uh, Nuruddin uh, and Anis Aljalis are driven out of Basora because they are haunted by the king uh, and they reach in in Baghdad in the pavilion of pleasure suddenly when they see the place they are totally moved and uh, this is something which is very interesting first uh, there is a description of the place in act 4 scene 1 and then on the very next page Anis, how wise she is, how intuitively wise. When she describes the beauty of the doves in that garden, of the plant, the flowers, the fruits, of the bulbul and everything, she ends with these master lines. 
what a flutter of scarlet tails! If it were dark, a thousand nightingales would surely sing together. How glad I am that we were driven out of Basura. So this is uh, how the divine works. That uh, there is an aphorism of Sri Aurobindo where he says, "God drives us out of every Eden, so that crossing a desert of moras." Uh, we may eventually arrive at a greater paradise so they are driven out of basura um, chased by the king and his henchmen and eventually they land up in their place of destiny baghdad uh, where by a set of fortuitous circumstances they um, and of course uh, they, you know they would have just the caliph would have passed unnoticed they would have passed unnoticed by the caliph but because of this girl's song because of uh because ibrahim is drunk because even of ibrahim's lust and hypocrisy eventually the caliph comes to know and he is very much taken in by the genuineness of these two lovers so this is uh, a very beautiful story of how the divine acts in our humanity in the guise of circumstances in the guise of even evil uh, uh, both good and evil conspire towards the same end and that end i mean if if uh, say the king of basura was a good king then he would have never nuruddin would have never fulfilled his destiny of becoming the king himself so everything at the end conspires good and evil towards the one great goal and that is why we find towards the end alfazal telling his son that look even if this seems unjust still you must uh, bow down to the will of god because god knows what what is best and even this you must regard as his will and his justice we will close with these marvelous lines act 5 scene 6 the meeting of ibn shoi and his son when the son nuruddin is about to be executed when alzaini says what is the crime of um, his son of course a crime which he never committed he says conspiring murder they have killed the son of almuin which which was not a fact at all farid was killed in a melee good ibn sa'i god's kind to thee who has relieved thy age of human burden so he tries to almost pass a satirical comment that god has been indeed very kind that your wife uh, will soon be dead and so um, your almost adopted daughter dunya and nuruddin will be executed so take it as god's mercy that he has relieved you of all your burdens and cares in all old age thus he turns thy thought to his ineffable and simple peace ibn sa'i despite the satire despite the sting of those lines accepts the truth that is hidden behind them he says god thou art mighty and thy will is just king mohammed alzaini i have come to a changed world in which i am not needed i bid farewell so alzaini is moved and he says the king before executing the toki go and clasp and ibn sa'i knows that nuruddin has not committed this fault his son cannot commit do this these charges are truly unjust and so when he clasped nuruddin nuruddin says justice of god thou sparest me nothing father father he is almost taken aback that his father is still saying that god is just 
And then Ibn Sa'i says, Bow to the will of God, my son. If thou must perish on a false and hateful charge, a crime in thee impossible, believe it is his justice still. And indeed, all goes well. And it ends with, the play ends with Harun al-Rashid, his beautiful little passage. Harun al-Rashid, fair children, worthy of each other's love and beauty, till the sunderer comes who parts, all wedded hands, take your delights on earth. So again we see that how ideal love is not only inner, it enriches outer life. Uh, we f uh, remember how in Savitri at the end, um, in the epilogue, how Savitri tells Satyavan, heaven's love fulfills but cancels not our earth. So here he says that uh, till the day of judgment may you be together. He is a great king because he also values love. Take delight on earth and afterwards in heaven. Again we see a grand reconciliation of heaven and earth. Not leaving earth for heaven or heaven for earth. Meanwhile remember that life is grave and earnest under its smiles. And we too with a very piety and we too with a very gaiety should walk its roads. Praying that if we stumble the all merciful may bear our footing up in a strong hand showing the father's face and not the stern and dreadful judge. No wonder Harun al-Rashid is called as Harun al-Rashid the just because his justice is through and through tinged with compassion, wisdom and above all love. Therefore he is the just. So we have these really magnificent lines that while you walk on life's road all things will come, grave things, beautiful things, walk with joy in your heart, walk with smile in your heart, trusting the Father and even if you stumble, it will happen, we will stumble, everyone stumbles and yet uh, instead of condemning yourself or condemning life or complaining against the law, simply uh, remember, pray that the all-merciful think of God as the all-merciful. This is the mantra mother used to constantly uh, repeat, O Lord, God of kindness and mercy. Uh, so, he says that praying that if we stumble, the all-merciful may bear our footing up. So, this is the faith we must hold in his strong hand, showing the father's face and not the stern and dreadful judge. So he is not um, judge in the sense of merely seeing the externalities and punishing us. But his justice means reform. His justice means change. His justice means evolution. And that is the father's face. His justice is an act of love. Farewell. I go to Roman wars with you the peace. And Ibn Shoi, peace with thee. Just and mighty Caliph, peace, peace, peace. So we end this reading of the Wazir Sabasura.